forgive me. I'm really having trouble worshiping this morning. And to God be the glory, and he is the answer. And I want to read from uh, Psalm 7. I was in that this morning, and it's talking about God's justice. My son-in-law, or my grandson, is a videographer, and he's in close contact with a group called the Blessings Project. And they've got boots on the ground in Afghanistan, and they are responsible for getting several thousand Afghan refugees out to different countries. But he also gets videos that he has to put together from what's going on on the ground in Afghanistan. And you see a line of 10 or 12 men on their knees with their hands behind them. They're being given a chance to renounce their faith. And none of them do, and they're executed. They're just shot in the head. That's what's going on. Women and and young girls are being taken from their homes. Christian women are being burned to death. And here we are in our comfort worshiping God because he is the only answer. And it didn't have to be that way. We've got a government that's not been anointed or appointed by God to serve. And we have the death of babies and we have sex trafficking. And again, forgiving me, forgive me for being negative. Um, But we are at the point where man has no answer to this. And it's up to God. And I'm hopeful that we will see, I know we will see a mighty move of God, and it won't be long. But we as Christians have to stand up and oppose all that's going on. Yes. We cannot be willing parties and say, oh, well, it's that's over there. Um, I heard a teaching this week on how to stand in faith and hope and love. And the first step was to be in Psalm 91. God is our protector. And he is all that call on his name. He is their protector. And so we, we, we live in the shadow of his presence and his protection. And the second point was Psalm 23. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with us. So we have this presence. All Christians have his presence in what we're going through. And the last thing was that he is there to receive us. Okay? And he is receiving many people around the world and particularly in Afghanistan into his presence as we speak. Um, What a gracious God we serve. And they are truly set free. But let me read from Psalm 7. I, I think it's appropriate. It's in the Passion Translation. Now, Lord, let your anger arise against the angers of our enemies. Awaken your fury and stand up for us. Decree that justice be done against our foes. Gather all the people around you. Return to your place on high to preside over them. And once more occupy the throne of judgment. 
You are the exalted one who judges the people. So vindicate us publicly and restore our honor and integrity. Before all the people, declare us innocent once and for all. End the evil tactics of the wicked. Reward and prosper the cause of the righteous. For you are the righteous God, the soul searcher who looks deep into every heart to examine the thoughts and motives. God, your wraparound presence is our protection and our defense. You bring, you bring victory to all who reach out to you. Righteousness is revealed every time you judge. Because of the strength of your forgiveness, your anger does not break out every day, even though you are a righteous judge. Yet if the wicked do not repent, you will not repent you will not relent with your wrath, slaying them with your shiny sword. You are the conqueror with an arsenal of lethal weapons that you prepared for them. You have bent and strung your bow, making your judgment arrows shafts of burning fire. Look how the wicked conceive their evil schemes. They go into labor with their lies and give birth to trouble. They dig a pit for others to fall into, not knowing that they will be the very ones who will fall into their own pit of failure. For you, God, will see to it that every pit digger who works to trap and harm others will be trapped and harmed by his own treachery. But I will give you, I will give you all my thanks, Lord, for you make everything right in the end. I will sing my highest praise to the God of the highest place. Lord, thank you for your word. We come before you today to worship you in spirit and in truth. And we offer ourselves as living sacrifices unto you today. That's our spiritual act of worship. And Father, we look at what's going on in our government that didn't have to happen. If we were a godly government that was seeking your will and your ways, we would have protected our allies, Lord. We would have protected our brothers and sisters in Christ. But we have turned, our government has turned from you. We take you out of all aspects of government and say, we're going to do it our own way. And Lord, it's not working. We see the fruit of that. So we ask you once again to move in a mighty way to set us free from the evil that rules around us. Lord, we ask for an, another Red Sea moment that will be so big the world will see there has to be a God. Only God could have delivered us from the enemies and the evil that rules in all aspects of government and society, from education and big pharma and business the arts and entertainment, and even religion, Lord. There's so much going on in your name that's not of you. And we just ask you for that mighty move that will set your people free, that the United States of America can live up to the covenant that our forefathers made with you, that we will be a nation, a sheep nation, who hears your voice and listens to you, and the gospel will 
go out from this nation around the world and we will be a blessing to the nations around the world and you will receive your inheritance of the nations. So we ask you to bless our nation and turn us around in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you. We have a, I just feel like we need to pray for a moment. Um, Mr. Wayne, I'm gonna ask you if you can pray. We have a, um, a young girl that's missing in our county. I forgot her name, Dana, is it Dana? And um, she's been missing for, I think, almost seven to ten days. A week. A week. And uh, I just would like if you could pray for this situation. We don't know much information, but we know God can protect her, and we know she can come out of hiding in the name of Jesus. So while I'm praying, I want you guys to pray with me. All right? Just pray with me because we have to make it personal. Meaning, imagine if it was your child Mm. or grandchild. Most holy and gracious God, we don't know who the perpetrators are. But Lord God, we know that you do. We know that you know the answers to all things. So Father, I'm praying for the, praying for the little girl to be recovered, intact, unharmed. We're decreeing and declaring right now in the name of Jesus that wherever she is, somebody is seeing her, somebody is making a phone call, and she's being rescued right now in the name of Jesus. We break the power of the devil from over from over that situation right now. Whoever the perpetrators are, Father, we're decreeing and declaring that they can't they can't even move right now. They don't know why they can't move, but they can't move. Because rescue is on the way. Yes. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Yes. It's time out for, for the kingdom of darkness to have victory. He doesn't have any victory. The kingdom of darkness has no victory. It's defeated. And right now we pray down coals of fire on the kingdom of darkness. We pray down yes. spiritual A-bombs on, this, on the kingdom of darkness yes. right now. We bind the enemy right now in the name of Jesus and we loose the promises of God into this little girl right now. She is, the angels are being dispatched protecting her right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Set her free, Lord. Hallelujah. Don't let any harm, don't let any harm come to her. No way, shape, form, or fashion. It's fathers in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Father, let let the congregation continue to pray because the word is going forth this morning. And we're praying for the messenger. We're praying that you are speaking through the messenger this morning in a mighty way with a demonstration of power. Lord God, we bring him before the throne of grace right now by the blood of Jesus. And we're thanking you, Holy Spirit, for speaking through him in a way you've never spoke to him before. Let let him speak only the words of God today. Oh, Lord, we thank you for it. We believe it's already unfolding. These prayers are unfolding right now as we, as we pray them. Right now, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
And one more topic. Miss Deborah, can I ask you if you could pray? We got, um, we need to pray for Miss Betsy. And um, if I can remember, I can really remember. I know she was diagnosed with COVID and she had a hard time breathing. Um, so we need to pray over that. But if you can also pray for just everyone we're dealing with who's dealing with sickness. Dear God, our Heavenly Father, to you alone belongs glory, praise, and honor. For it is you, dear Heavenly Father, who has brought us to this place, to this time. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for what you have done. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for your glory and your righteousness. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ who died for us to have the rights that we have. He died for our health. He died for our finances. He died for our relationships with one another. He died for us, period. Dear Heavenly Father, sickness is not of you. Sickness does not come from the kingdom. Sickness comes, dear Heavenly Father, from the evil one. And as has already been prayed, we bind the the power of the evil one amongst the saints of God. We bind the power that the evil one has over the saints of God. We are washed in the blood, God. We are washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And Father, no evil penetrates the blood. The blood is for us. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, that from the foundation of the world, you had a plan. You had a plan. The plan was to take care of your saints, those who would call on your name, those who would believe you for their very life. Father, we believe you for our very life. We believe you, Father, when we don't even know when we slumber at night and don't even know who we are. We have your protection. That is what you designed for us way back when. And it's still your design. It has not changed. Your plan for us is one. For us to be one with you. One with each other in the family of faith. So those who are feeling any oppression from sickness this morning. Take hope in this. That God Almighty loves us. He loves us with an everlasting love. It is his desire above all else that we prosper and be in good health even as our souls prosper. So, Father, we follow your your lead. As Jesus did, we rise early. We pray. We believe. We, we read the word because we have the word. We trust in you. And we do not lay down what we know to be truth for that which is a lie. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for all that you do. Your word clearly says for your children that you will nurse us to health. In the Psalms, it tells us. God, we thank you. You have a love for us that equals nothing else. And we thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, we call those who are sick out of sickness, out of that sickness. We call them out. 
And we say just step right into God's marvelous light where healing is, where truth is, where love is, where peace is. There healing comes. And Father, we thank you for it. Glory to your name, God. Glory to Jesus Christ who died for all of us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And for a moment, can we just do another worship? We're going to worship over these prayers. We're believing the promises of God that there are yes and amen. And what we pray is does not go void, that the enemy cannot attach and pull down our prayers. They have to go forth and we will see fruits in the name of Jesus. For just a moment, let's just worship over these prayers, believing God, he is who he says he is. Will you stand with us one more time? You are here, moving in our I worship you, I worship you, you are here, working in this place, I worship you, I worship you, you are here, you're moving in our midst. I worship you, I worship you, you are here, working in this place, I worship you, I worship you, you are maker, miracle worker, promise darkness, my God, that is who you are, you are, we make miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are, you are here, touching
Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop. you're working. You're working all the time. And Father, we just thank you, Father, for all that you're doing, all that you continue to do for us in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you all honor and glory and praise this morning, Father. We just thank you, Father, for you are the way maker, Father. You are the way maker. We thank you for 
That is who you 
just sing that. That's who you are. Just no instruments. Let's just all just lift that up. That's who you are. Come on. That is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you Come on, keep on, keep on, keep on. He's the promise keeper. That is who you are. 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 That is who you You are the way maker. You're the way maker, Lord. 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 There is no circumstances that we're seeing that will defeat us because you're the way maker. Father, I thank you. Whatever door is trying to hold you back in our city and our nation and the world, we bust it down in the name of Jesus. And we welcome the King of glory here in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Can we just thank the Lord just for another moment? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank, thank, you, Lord. Lord. thank, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for who Father, you are. Father, we thank give you, Father. We, we give you glory. Thank you for who you are. You're the we way give maker. You praise, oh, praise yes, Lord. You deserve all the glory, all the honor, all the praise, and all the dominion. We will not be moved by our emotions. We will not be moved by the circumstances. We're only moved by your spirit, says the Lord. We do things by the spirit and only by the spirit. We praise Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We thank you. May I feel a shifting taking place. We've been in a shifting for a while. Thank Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. You are Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha. You are the beginning and the end. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You're the one that holds it all together. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. God's good. All the time. God's good. Mm. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Amen, amen, amen. We're going to jump into this. We're going to jump in. 
I love God's presence. What about you? Come on. So I'm going to just kind of give a warning flat, um, you know, just a warning. I'm glad nobody's sitting in the front because this might be a little intense message. Might be, might not. Lizzie, if you can go ahead and put that graphic up. Don't, don't switch it. Uh, just go ahead and in the same program. I feel like, let me give you a little backstory first. So I have an opportunity to speak into some middle school age kids about the Bible. And I started in the book of Daniel because we need some Daniels in this season. Well, the Lord started downloading a message to me for the church at large. It's something I'm very passionate about, something that I'm very, very, very passionate about. So if I get intense and I get a little, I don't ever get intense, but if I get intense, just know I'm not mad at you. I love you, but it's time that the church really, really, really get this. Stop playing games. We say that, but do we see the fruits of that? That is the question. So we're going to jump in and some of the topics we're going to be talking about is the book of Daniel and it's going to be more of an overview. And my prayer is that it stirs an appetite up on the inside of you like it has with me. These middle school kids just opened my eyes to some things and it's time to get busy. So we'll give a backstory of the book of Daniel real quick. And then we'll get into what I call call to action for the global church. We'll go in. I got three call to action. And at the end, the question is, are we going to respond to these calls? So we know in Daniel 1, it starts off. And sorry if we're going really fast. I just feel like this, this is really on my heart. So Daniel 1, it starts off with King Nebuchadnezzar, the bad dude, the evil dude, the one who tried to, well, actually he did. He took over this tribe of Judah, right? So not only did he take over their city, he took over what? Y'all know the story, the temple of God. Not only did he do that, he wanted to add insult to injury, and he took the, all the religious symbols, crushed them, destroyed them, and burned them. Pretty wicked dude, right? Then he said, you know what? I'm not done. He said, huh, I'm going to take, I'm not just going to destroy your present. I'm going to destroy your future. Does that sound familiar? He's going to destroy their future. So what he was doing was saying, the worship of your Yahweh God is obsolete. I'm taking out anything even matters remotely close to your worship to the one true God. Again, does that sound familiar? He said, I'm going to destroy you. He said, I'm going to take your future by pretty much kidnapping some of these young individuals from the royal family, royalty family and nobles, the ones that are voted most the seed in a yearbook, and I'm going to take them and I'm going to brainwash them. And then I'm going to not only let them 
come in, they're going to serve on my kingdom and my government. Again, does this sound familiar? Then he said, bring them to them. So we'll start start in Daniel 1. That pretty much sets us up. Verse 3, this is going to explain some, but give us some. Um, some more details in Daniel one verse three, the king ordered Ashpenaz. If I said that correctly, I get a gold star. So his chief, it took me a while. It took me a while, man. I shouldn't tell myself. So I was practicing that name before the middle school. Let's just say something else came out at the beginning. I said, Oh no, let's not say that. Uh, so anyways, Thank God I didn't say that today. <laughs> Pastor Ron, I've been watching and be like, what? What did that boy say? So he ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only the strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. So these guys were some good-looking men. Make sure they are all well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language of literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchen. They were to be trained for three years and they would enter in the royal service. And in verse six and seven, we find out that the mans that they took was Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, if that's correct, and um, Azariah. Thank God that I can say Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego without any hesitation. But have you ever noticed that Daniel threw up the book of Daniel, stayed Daniel, but the three others, I think they were saying the same thing, you know, so they're like, thank God they changed their names. Then, so let's just take this by a step. Then we're going to see that they're going to not only change their names, but they're going to change their diets. First, why do you think they changed their names? Because their names were tied to the worship of Yahweh, the one true God. So they changed their names to say, hey, every time we call you by your other name, you're going to be reminded you don't serve Yahweh, the God. You serve our God. Then they're going to change their diet. Now, I don't know about you. The king's food to me sounds like it's going to be really, really good. You know, it's going to have some meat, some bacon, some some grapes, some fruit, some more meat, and a lot of dessert. I don't know if they had ice cream back then, but, oh, man, I wish they, I pray that they would if it was, I was in that situation. But there was one problem. What was the problem? It was against the law. The food was dedicated to their pagan God. This is where we get our first call to action. Stand out. Stand out. The global church has to stand out. In Daniel 1.8, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. Then he asked the chief of staff permission to eat the unsub, not to eat the food. 
because it was defiled. My question is to you today and myself, what food are we eating from Babylon today? I'm not talking about literal food. What's something that's not acceptable and pleasing to God? Here's the thing. If we're not standing out, then we're blending in. Two things that I see very interesting about this. Daniel didn't fight about his name. He didn't say a peep about them changing their name. Have you ever seen that? I just saw that this past week. He never threw a fit. I wonder why. I wonder why. I think he said, hey, you can call me whatever you want. You can tie me to whatever God you want. I know who I am. An outward name, catch this, a outward name does not define who I am in my heart. There's a lot of names that they call us, right? Freaks, fanatics, Jesus freaks, that's an old one. Um, what else do they call us? Whatever, I don't care what they call us, but that does not define who the church is because we know our one true God and we will worship our one true God. This is a time that the church stands out, just like Daniel stand out. We are blending in way too much. We are being quiet on so many levels that it's time to stand out. Now, the other point, side note here, is Daniel didn't fight over his name. And then the Lord kindly spoke to my heart. What fight are you in that you shouldn't be in? There's some fights that the church is in that we don't need to be in. God didn't call us to that fight. But when they, but, but he stood up when they defiled his God. He wasn't going to allow that. And he said, I won't eat your food. Here's the deal. How about you give me veggies and water? Oh my goodness, that would hurt. But the guy said, I'm actually thinking about doing that for a season. So, oh my goodness. Uh, anyways, here's the thing. The God gave the official compassion for Daniel for his obedience. God's going to, the enemies that are attacking us because of our obedience, he's going to make a way. Now, he gave compassion and he said, look, I would love to do this, but I would like to keep my head I really like my head. The official said that because you're going to be weak after so many weeks and the king's going to behead me because I'd made a bad decision. So Daniel said, hey, how about this? Let's do this for 10 days. And after 10 days, you can make that decision. I believe Daniel would have starved to death personally. I don't think Daniel would uh, compromise I think Daniel would have said, you know what? I'll die of starvation if I have to. His name was worth standing up. He didn't, def he wasn't defined by his name. Then after 10 days, what happened? He was strong. They were stronger than everybody else. I love that story. I love that story. And we also think, I'm jumping around my notes here. They also, when we read that story, we think as a one-time event. 
But this was breakfast. This was lunch. This was dinner. This is day after day, week after week, month after month, ongoing. See, they made one decision that set them apart again and again and again. And if you're fully following Christ, you're going to find, we are going to find the closer we get to him, our one true God. Often we're going to be standing out. So why are we not standing out? Why are we not staying out? Romans 12, 2 says, stop imitating the idols and opinion of the culture around you. Our culture is Babylon. They defile our God. Now, do we go, there's a certain way, there's a right way to stand out too. I'm not saying you go burn buildings and we know that. And I know I'm preaching to the choir, but we got to do more. We're losing a generation. We've got to do more. Something the Lord showed me was, when was it ever right to bring idols into the church? You know, it would have been heresy to bring idols into the temple of God back in the Bible. Actually, they tried that one time and the idol was worshiping him, the one true God. But why in the world did we try to bring Babylon into the church to reach our culture? So what we've done was we defiled God inside the church and made it inefficient for us to even see signs, miracles, and wonders. We have, this is what, oh man, I, I was trying to hold this, but it's got to come out. This is, this is what we've done. You remember, and we're going to get there in our second point, in Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and King Nebuchadnezzar built this 90 foot tall, and he said, when you play the music, you bow. This is what we've done. We played the music and we has put our Christians in spiritual, in pretty much spiritual sleep. They're spiritually asleep. They can't see, they can't hear. Now we've made a new Christian, culturalistic Christians who don't, who don't know who Jesus is and they don't know why they believe in Jesus. So we throw them in the lion's den and they get eaten up alive because we allowed the culture and idols into the church. We have raised up culturalistic Christians. I don't even see that in the word. This is a time that we stand out and we don't blend in no more. This is a time we stand out for Jesus because he stood out for us. Now our next step call to action is stand up. To stand up, Daniel chapter 3. So King Nebuchadnezzar built this 90-foot thing. I don't even understand why he did this because there was a dream. And all these couple encounters with Daniel, why in the world would he do this? (laughs) I don't understand that. But he builds this 90-foot thing. And he said, hey, everyone, come on in. And we're going to bow and worship this idol. And if you don't, what's going to happen? We know the story. You're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. This is why I love in verse 16. So Shadrach, Meshach, didn't, and Abednego didn't bow, right? So that I love this answer in verse 16. Shadrach, 
Meshach and Abednego replied, Oh my goodness, I just said it. King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue you, us from your power, your majesty. I just love that they, they were so polite. <laughs> but, but even if he doesn't, but even if he doesn't, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, <laughs> that we will never serve your God of worship or your statue or your idols. Let's make it clear. If we, if he doesn't save us, I don't care. I will die for this cause. I will put my life on the line. I will put, sacrifice myself and I will not bow to your God. Where is the boldness and courage like that? You want to know why? Because I believe this mirrors the strategy of the enemy. The prince of darkness, the king of the underworld, the whatever you want to call him, the devil, the Satan, ugh, you know, that, that dude. He wants to train our generation below us, Christians and all society, to think how he thinks, to act like he acts, to eat like he eats, and to bow to him. Because every idol in our nation is really rooted in him. But God said to the church in Ephesians 6, 11, put on your armor so that you're able to what? Stand against all strategies of the devil. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and the belt of truth. Truth, when your shoes are prepared with the gospel, the readiness of peace, you put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, pause, we're in that day. Pause, we're in that day. If we don't have our armor on, we better put it on. We're in the day of evil. So you may be able to stand your ground. And after done everything else to stand, sometimes you have to stand. Keep on standing. You never give up. Action number three, call to action, is to never give up. So we stand out. We stand up. We never give up. Stand out. Stand up. Never give up. Daniel chapter 6, this is when they try to get Daniel, you know, they try to change, they had to change the law to kill, try to kill off Daniel. Does that sound familiar? Um, I'm just going to put these little notes in here. At this time, Daniel was 80 years old. So he wasn't a young chicken anymore. He's learned. He knows. So what did they do? Daniel wasn't afraid, by the way, right? How much, how much are we allowing fear to cripple us? How much are we allowing fear, the undertones of fear in our life to cause us to blend in, cause us to cower down, cause us to bow? 
Daniel, so they try to trap Daniel. They change the law. Hey, king, you know, let's, let's, um, let's take 30 days of a break of worship of all gods. What did Daniel do immediately in chapter six? He went to go pray. He didn't stop. He didn't allow no law to get in in the way of him. He didn't allow oppression to stop him. He didn't allow oppression to put him in fear. He kept on standing. Just let's just think about this real quick. Moses, did Moses quit? Esther, did Esther quit? Elijah, Elisha, Daniel, Joshua, John, Paul. What if they gave up? History would have never been made. I believe we're at a history moment time in our season. This is so pivotal. Are we going to stand out? Are we going to stand up? Are we going to never give up? 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Philippians 1, 6 being confident in this, this who begins a good work in you will carry on to its completion until Jesus Christ. I will submit to you today, if we never stand out, stand up and never give up, then we're blending in. We're not truly committed to following Jesus because when you follow him, we will be different. Will be set apart. Set apart. Holy means to be set apart. What did the Bible say? Be holy as I am holy. We're supposed to be the salt and light to the world, but we're not. God says there will be times where we must stand out, stand up, and never give up. This brings me to the why. This week it broke my heart to hear questions from 11-year-old, 13-year-old asking questions, but also seeing that they don't really have a relationship with the Lord. This is why the church must stand. It's not for us to be selfish. It's not so that we can get smarter. It's not so we can experience God. All of them are good. We're called to advance the kingdom. We're supposed to push back darkness. We're supposed to advance God's kingdom, but we're blending in. We have to stand up. In this part two of this, of my why, we have to stand up for the generation below us. We have to stand up for the generation below us. We must tell them why we don't watch certain things. We must tell them why we don't listen to certain things. We must tell them why we don't support certain agendas. The, what did we read in Romans 12? Two, we don't imitate the culture and idols around us. All we have done is allowed them to be Babylonians in disguise and they played church. We've allowed culturalistic Christianity continue while we were asleep. But we say no more. 
we can change the course of history right here, right now. Because Jesus is greater than he that he's in the world. Greater is he that's inside the church than he's in the world. Bible says in Proverbs 22 says what? Train up a child. Train. Let's focus on that for a minute. What does the athlete do? He trains. Does he always get preached at? Or coached at? He does. But there has to be a time of practice. There has to be a time of action. There has to be a time of them putting in the work. All we've done is to preach and teach to our kids without Noah practice. And I know that I'm not trying to be negative and saying anybody here has done that. I'm just saying that the church at large is part of the reason we have a culturalistic Christianity. Probably all of us have hands in this. So we train up a child to teach them, but put them into practice of why we do what we do. Second one is we have to engage the generation. Engage the generation. Engage the generation. 80% of young people leave their faith by by their teen years. Did you catch that? 80%. Leave in their teen years. Actually, I got a book. I probably referenced this before, but this is a book. So the next generation will know. I've given some people this book. It's got great topics, great stacks. Now, it was done in 2019. So some things are probably changed in this. But we have to engage. And what I mean by that is listening to that stat, data probably will say, we need, well, we need to teach more on truth. Well, that's part of it, but that's not all of it. We have to relationally connect with them. But that's not all of it either. Because here's the thing, if they find relationship, they can find that when they go off to college. But they're going to find people to support their passions that's not true in college. So we need both love and truth. Now, here's some application things. We have to create an environment for them to ask the big questions. Would you like to hear some of the questions they ask? What sacrifice proof, what scientific proof do you have that God exists? Are you ready to answer that? They've been raised up in Babylon. They've been brainwashed. Are we ready to answer that? Can I be honest with you? When that, the question I got, the common one, why does bad, thing have, bad things happen to good people? Okay, we can answer that one. That, that one wasn't too bad. Then they asked, the same person asked, why did God give us free will if he knew we would choose bad? Okay, that, one, that wasn't too bad either. But I'm very, I want to make sure that I answer correctly. So I just wrote the, wrote the answers down and we, we're going to talk about them as the year goes on. Here's another one. Why was the Eve's punishment 
has more pain than the man. That one, I just kind of just like, uh, uh, okay. Uh, we skip to the next one. But the other one was, why didn't the devil get a second chance? Good question. That one stumped me. That one, I was like, I text Pastor Dan actually that night. I was like, holy moly. I never heard that answer. Why do kids think like this? Just believe the word. (laughs) But that won't work like it worked for us. They've been raised, brainwashed. So we have to be ready to bring reasons to them, but that's not it. Because God's more than reason. And for any young persons believing that reasons will cause me to believe in God, that is false. Because God is not reason. God is a person. Now he can cross, you know, be a bridge into pointing to Jesus. But ultimately we have to trust and have faith in him. Here's a more question. If evolution is true, why should I believe in God? Why should I trust in something on faith when I could use reason? How is believing in God any different from believing in Santa Claus or Easter Bunny? What would a all, why would an all-powerful and loving God allow so much evil in the world? How can I be sure Jesus really rose from the grave? Another question I heard is, how can I trust the New Testament? So I did some research on that one. And I've been following Sean McDowell, Josh McDowell's son. If you know any of them, this is what Josh McDowell or Sean McDowell said. He said, okay, let's look at this first. Well, actually, let me just keep it simple. Let's just say, why would the disciples write embarrassing things about themselves? Just think about that. They fell asleep on Jesus. Peter denied him. Why would they put that in the, because they wanted a hundred percent truth written. That's one thing. Here's another thing that I'm, I'm really getting in some of this. So if I say something a little off, it's okay. You can correct me afterwards, but not now. But anyways, uh, but the, we say we don't want to believe the word, but we never want to believe, but we believe all the other ancient books out there. So the the Bible has a mile long manuscripts. The next one leading the charge is just four feet of manuscripts. More information we have, the more we can make sure we have the accuracy in the scriptures. Then they say, wait a minute, there's two verses in the Bible that are not supposed to be in there. Okay, that's at the end of Mark and, and John. But why? that's not enough evidence to say you can't believe in the whole New Testament. That means that you just don't read them verses. Then they say, well, there's too many variants in the, and errors in the New Testament. No, it, they might've been spelled wrong. So Sean McDowell used this, Example, I went to overseas, the way they spell color is totally wrong, but the meaning is the same. So there are spellings difference among the New Testament, 
but the meaning stays the same. So my question is giving you these examples are, are we ready to engage to this generation? Because they have questions. And if we don't let them to ask the questions, then they're going to get the questions out there in Babylon. And if they get the answers there, then how in the world are we going to be effective? So, we're all called, I don't even know where I am on this. Holy moly, where are we at? Because I wrote something this morning that was pretty, pretty good, I think. Let's see. Here we go. We must be ready to answer. God has a role for each of us in this time of crisis because it is a crisis. Even though he is in complete control, we're all called to respond by relationally committed, committed to passing on truth. The next one is, is just love. And I'm just going to kind of give you the titles of each chapter because they're so good. We can get, we can camp out here for a long time and I don't want to do that. Love sacrifices. Love responds. Love understands. Love relates. Love equips. A love ignites. Love trains. Love explores. Love engages. They don't need another sermon. They need you. Every single one of you. They need you. They need love and they need truth. They need love. They need truth. This topic really breaks my heart because I don't want any kid to not know Jesus. I don't want anybody not to know Jesus. This is an analogy I got talking to Donna T one day about prayer. Prayer, we need to be praying. Prayer is like an engine in the car. It keeps us going. How good is that car if it doesn't have tires? It'd just be sitting inside that part in the garage or in the driveway. It's time that the church puts its tires on and start engaging our community. We don't stand out to make a statement. If we stand out because, if we stand out because he's called us to be different, if the byproduct is statement, then so be it. Because we're going to take our stand against the devil's schemes today. We're going to put on the full armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, and the belt of truth. Our shoes are prepared with the gospel of readiness of peace. And we're going to take our stand against the enemy's attack. Ultimately, because he stood up for us. So today I'm asking that we stand out. We stand up. That we never give up. That we engage our society. That we engage our generation. I refuse to be the reason our generation goes to hell. 
I refuse it. One way that we can engage is, Pastor Ann, I'm putting you on the spot, I'm sorry, is that we're getting ready to start Pray Americas. What is Pray Americas? If you want to come up, um, Pray America is a, you want to explain it? Because you, you explained it very beautifully the other day, if you remember. Well, I don't remember that, but we are looking to do in Concord what is being done in communities all around America. There are people that are committing to praying for their community on a very intentional basis. Um, basically taking ground, taking step by step by step down the streets through our neighborhoods, praying for the houses, praying for the people that we meet, praying for the businesses, praying for the government centers. It's one thing to gather together in a room, but there's something about going out. And when you look through all of the Bible, you see it over and over again. When God went to Abraham and he said, hey, I'm going to give you the land. What's the first thing God told Abraham to do? He said, go and walk the length and breadth of it. Go, walk it. Uh, he said the same thing to Joshua when Joshua was leading the people of Israel into the promised land. He said, every place that your feet land on will be yours to take. Jesus, when the disciples came, he sent them out two by two into all of the surrounding villages. They went, they walked, they went out there and did the thing. And we, we are wanting to become more intentional about as a church and also in joining together with other like-minded churches throughout the the community, trying to become really intentional to make sure that every home gets prayed for, every street gets prayed for, every government agency gets prayed for, every business gets prayed for. The, one of the phrases that's often used is on-site with insight. We go with the Spirit listening to what God has to say and praying right there and trust that God will show us up. Because if there's one thing that Jesus said over and over again, it's go. It's go. And a lot of times we in churches, we think that we're just going to kind of sit here and wait for them to come. And they're probably not going to if we don't go. Now, we can go in a lot of different ways. And I suppose be careful. I don't, I don't uh, let you know. Because ultimately, this is about prayer. Right? This is about prayer. And this is about living our faith in Jesus. Stand out, stand up, and never give up. You know, I mean, that that's how we need to live every moment of every day. So we shine a light everywhere we go. We don't have to, like, walk down a street. If you, if you go out for lunch after church today, you are a lighthouse in that restaurant where you are. When you go to work tomorrow, you are a lighthouse in that place of employment. When you go to the grocery store and buy groceries, you are a lighthouse no matter where you go. So this is just one part of a big picture of what it really, really means as followers of Jesus, but ultimately we got to get out there and we got to do the stuff. And so, as I said, we're going to get a little bit more intentional and as a church in how we're doing this together. So real quick, you've brought up a good point. And one, one day, someday, whatever day it was, he said, what about if I do, I can't really walk or what can I do if I can't really do certain things like pastor Dan can do? And you had great options like, you know, going through, maybe it was a dream. Yeah, this is weird. I don't dream about current life situations very often, okay? When I do, it kind of like, hmm, what's going on? So, like, I had a dream one night earlier this week, and it was about Pray America, and there were some people that weren't able to get out and walk because of 
you know, physical limitations or difficulties. And what they were doing, this, honestly, this is in my dream, okay? They were getting little postcards and they had a list of all of the ad, names and addresses and like on a street. And they just wrote a little postcard to each one and said, God loves you. We are praying for you. If there's a way we can serve you, here's our email address that you can connect with us or whatever. But I mean, there's, again, there's a million different ways. Ultimately, this is about prayer. Um, let me ask a question. Who here believes that prayer works? We all know that's the right answer, right? <laughs> you know, just like when you were a kid and you went to Sunday school and no matter what the question was, you answered Jesus, right? Because you knew that's the right answer, <laughs> right? We all know it's the right answer, but um, it only we only really believe it's the right answer if that's what we're doing. And, um, you know, we all realize that in a public situation, there's a lot of people that are uncomfortable praying, you know, out loud. I mean, we, we get that. There's a lot of ways that we can pray. There's a lot of ways that we can shine the light. Was that, did it, did that? Okay. So, and I think in your dream, or maybe when we was talking, he was talking about one of these old ancient things called like a yellow page, white pages, phone books. I don't know what that is, but... Do they still make those? I don't know. But you said that they were going down the pages and just praying for all the businesses. Yeah, that's, that's, that's another part. I just, you know, just tear out a page of the phone book and distribute it to everybody and just say, okay, just, okay. Y- y'all know the movie, um, um, Grinch, you know, Christmas movie where the, the, um, you know, Jim Carrey was the one that played the, do you remember the scene where he's up there and he's got like the, the phone book of Whoville and he goes, you know, I know Joseph, Josephine, who hate, hate, you know, and he'd read a name and then he would just project loathing towards them. And it's like, you know, we can do this. We can turn this around and we can do this. We can go through the phone book and we can read the name. We lay it out before God. Like I say, I don't know if there's phone books anymore. I, I haven't seen one in a long time. I don't know what short people use to, to drive um, if there's not phone books anymore. But um, I don't know. booster seats okay booster seats right ron booster seats okay uh so you also got a vehicle (laughs) why him but um we got you got vehicles and you can drive along the way and pray over the city of where you reside and that's awesome but after um we after service here we're going to have a brief meeting giving a little bit more information. I think we pretty much did that. It's pretty simple, but give you the date and the time. If you like to do this, that's awesome. Right now we're looking at once a month is what we said to start with. And we go from there. Doesn't mean if we do it once a month, doesn't mean you can't do it in your neighborhood. And we've already got some people going out on Tuesday mornings, 730 AM. You can meet here. Originally, I think this is a women's thing, but it's not limited to that. So there's already people showing up here every Tuesday morning and going out and doing a prayer walk. So there's an easy way to go. And and here's like another easy way. Adopt wherever you live. Just mark out a, a, a territory, like maybe two blocks wide and two blocks long, and just just walk it a couple, two, three times a week, maybe every day, and just be praying for the houses. God God answers prayers, right? Right? Let's, let's put him to the test. And, and when you meet people, you know, share the love of God in whatever way the Holy Spirit puts upon you. Because um, God's going to do some amazing things, but he's not going to do those things if we don't get out there and go. Amen. Ultimately, I think both of us believe that God wants an awakening, but we have to go because we carry it. Ultimately, it's going to be God. 
But I, I just have a hunch that just like with Moses, he wants to partner with us and do it with us. That is my hunch. So, um, Steve, we're going to go ahead and stay. Yadios uh, to all of our Facebook family. We love you. We appreciate you. And we'll see you next week.